Welcome back to another edition of Strucky Sports Talk. I'm your host, Colin Struckman, and I'm back after a short break with a brand new episode of your favorite sports podcast. There's going to be some more episodes in the near future. Uh, I, you know, I've got kind of caught up with a lot of stuff and haven't had as many as much time to work on a new episode, but here it is, and I'm here to talk about what I am most passionate about, and that is none other than sports. We've got a lot going on in the sports world, with the NFL season coming to a close, a lot of chaos after week 17, and the playoffs ahead. I'll recap all that in the NFL and talk about the finalized playoff picture in the AFC and in the NFC not to mention the college football playoff wrapped up this weekend, and we now know that LSU and Clemson will be in the national championship. We've also got some great New Year's Six Bowls on New Year's Day, and I'll take a look at those as well. So today's show is going to be, for the most part, an all-football show. That's what's, you know, the core of sports kind of nirvana right now is football, the NFL and college football, so that's going to be the main focus of today's show and in the coming weeks but don't worry the Bruins and the Celtics will be talked about in the near future so to complement today's episode with some NFL and college football coverage I've got a very special segment as we near the end of 2019 and the decade I'll look at the top 10 sports moments of 2019 and then the top 10 of the decade I've got some more coverage of the Bruins and Celtics coming up on another episode that will be released later this week, as well as a preview of the NFL playoffs and wildcard weekend. We've got a lot going on in the sports world right now, and Strucky Sports Talk is the place to hear all about it. Let's get right into an action-packed episode. Week 17 in the NFL season has concluded, and we now have a clearer picture of who we know is going to be in the NFL playoffs this season. So let's start with taking a look at the AFC. But before we look at the playoff picture, just some takeaways from some of the results of the games from Week 17. The biggest, the upset of the season, the Miami Dolphins walk into Foxborough and defeat the New England Patriots 27-24, a stunning victory to prevent them from getting a first-round bye. The Patriots will be playing in wildcard weekend for the first time since 2010, and they have never gone to a Super Bowl when they do not have a first-round bye. Historic loss for the Patriots, and now they're going to have a really tough road to the Super Bowl, and I'll get to that later. So with the Patriots losing, the Chiefs had an opportunity to steal the number two seed with a win over the Chargers, and they did just that. They defeated the Chargers in Kansas City 31-21, and the Chiefs take the first round by over the Patriots. Now, the last seed in the AFC was up for grabs between the Titans, Steelers, and Raiders, and the Titans earned the number six seed with a dominant 35-14 35-14 to 14 win over the Texans in Houston. The win knocked the Steelers and the Raiders out of the playoffs. And now the AFC playoff picture is finalized. The number one seed is the Baltimore Ravens at 14-2. and two. Then we have the Kansas City Chiefs at 12-4. and four. 
those two will be getting first-round buys, and the road to Miami goes through Baltimore in the AFC. The number three seed, the New England Patriots at 12-4. and four. The four seed, the Houston Texans at 10-6. and six. The five seed, the Bills, 10-6. and six. And the six seed, the Titans, 9-7. and seven. So we kind of didn't have a lot of drama heading into Sunday. Just that last seed in the AFC up for grabs and, you know, some seeding. But pretty much the drama came with the Patriots' loss that shifted around the Chiefs and the Patriots and what really could be the factor of why the Patriots may miss the Super Bowl this season. So those were some key results. And then we also had some other results in the AFC that caught some people by surprise. And the Cincinnati Bengals won their second game of the season over the embarrassing Cleveland Browns, 33-23. to This had absolutely no effect on the playoff race, but I just find it hilarious. The Browns were supposed to be so great heading into this season. Some people had them in the Super Bowl, but they finished 6-10, and and it looks very bleak in Cleveland after a rough season. And then the Ravens resting most of their starters, namely Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, playing with Robert Griffin III at quarterback. They were still able to beat the Steelers 28-10 and pretty much a meaningless game for the Ravens because they had the one seed locked up already no matter what happened in the Chiefs or Patriots game. So those were just some results that caught my eye. Now let's get to the NFC. The 49ers earned the number one seed. They had the Sunday night game against the Seahawks, and they secured that number one seed in a first-round bye in the NFC with a 26-21 win in Seattle over the Seahawks, a game that went to the very end. The tight end Hollister on the Seahawks was down at the one and the final seconds on the last drive of the game for the Seahawks. The Seahawks almost won and vastly improved their playoff chances and almost knocked the Niners down to the five seed. But San Francisco was able to hold on to the victory and get the number one seed in the NFC. So with that 49ers win, the Packers lost their chance at a number one seed with the Niners win. And Green Bay earned the number two seed as they still won. They beat the Lions 23-20. The Saints had a chance to get a first-round bye despite dominating the Panthers 42-10. But with the 49ers winning as a result of the 49ers beating the Saints earlier in the season, it prevented the Saints from getting a first-round bye, and they'll be the number three seed in the NFC. So pretty much the drama in the NFC heading into Sunday was who is going to win the NFC East and make the playoffs. A very mediocre division, hot garbage, but it was down to the wire between the Eagles and the Cowboys in the final game of the season. They were playing different teams. The Eagles beat the Giants 34-17 to win the NFC East division title and claim a playoff spot. The Cowboys were knocked out of the playoffs with the Eagles when even though the Cowboys dominated the Redskins, but the Eagles at 9-7 and seven will make the postseason. So now let's look at the NFC playoff picture. The road to Miami and the NFC goes through San Francisco. The 49ers have the number one seed at 13-3. and three. The Packers have the number two at 13-3. and three. The Saints 
have the number three at 13 and three. The Eagles, number four at nine and seven. The Seahawks, number five at 11 and five. And then the Vikings at number six, 10 and six. Now, three teams have 13 and three records. And the reason why the 49ers have the number one seed is because they have beaten the Packers and the Saints. So they have the tiebreaker in that scenario. And then the Packers are ahead of the Saints because they had a perfect division record and the Saints had one loss in division play. So with this all going on in the playoff race, there's a little bit of a tension on some teams that didn't perform as well, and that's not in a good way because this is the coaching carousel. A lot of different coaches are getting moved around, and we already had a few coaches that were fired namely the Browns' Freddie Kitchens, who was fired. In his first season, he went 6-10 and and lost the final three games of the season, missed the playoffs. Kitchens was just an unmitigated disaster in his first season in Cleveland. He lost all the control of his team. Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry looked like they didn't even want to be there at some points in the season. And he pretty much endorsed violence between the Browns and the Steelers after that whole Miles Garrett incident with him clubbing Mason Rudolph over the head with his helmet, and he wore that Pittsburgh started at shirt. So I really, I don't care for any of his antics. I think he's a horrendous coach. The whole reason he was supposed to be the head coach in Cleveland was because he was supposed to have this offensive chemistry, the sort of connection between him and Baker Mayfield. But I saw absolutely none of that throughout the season. The offense looked horrible. The defense struggled. Miles Garrett obviously suspended for the season. That didn't help the defense at all. In my opinion, I think the Browns made a huge mistake in missing out on Greg Williams. He stepped in last season after Hugh Jackson was fired midseason and was very good as the head coach. And they went and hired Freddie Kitchens instead. And that turned out to be a huge mistake for Cleveland. We also saw... Pat Shermer got fired as the Giants head coach. He went 9-23 and after two seasons. No playoff appearances in New York. He really had nothing to work with this season. No receivers. OBJ had gone to Cleveland. Golden Tate was suspended to start the season. Injuries everywhere. And Daniel Jones, this was kind of the trial season for him. Eli is looking like he's going to retire after this year. He looked very bad this season as usual and Daniel Jones stepped in didn't do that bad I thought he performed in the first few weeks and then struggled but I thought he was still pretty good in his rookie season although the numbers may not indicate that Shermer shouldn't get all the blame he's still a decent head coach not a great head coach but not that bad and I don't think he should get all the blame he really didn't have a lot to work with but he was still not an effective head coach for the New York Giants. So now there's four openings as of right now, the Browns, Giants, Panthers, and Redskins, and it's looking like Ron Rivera could be the next Washington head coach. Former head coach Jay Gruden was fired after their own five starts of the season. Ron Rivera was a very experienced coach for the Carolina Panthers. I think this is a great job for him. I honestly didn't feel like the Panthers needed to fire him, but After some unsuccessful seasons, I felt like it was almost time for him to get fired. And Ron Rivera had a pretty good resume in Carolina and went to a Super Bowl with them as well. 
Mike McCarthy could get the job in Carolina, making his return to the NFL after being the Packers head coach for 12 seasons, was very successful in Green Bay until the very end. But Mike McCarthy, I think his days are numbered. Although this might happen, I don't think it's the best choice for Carolina. What I think is a better choice is Baylor head coach Matt Rule. He has turned around the Baylor Bears program down in Waco, Texas, and there are a lot of rumors about him coming to the NFL. We'll see if he stays in college football, but I think he has a very great opportunity in front of him. He could be the Dallas head coach, obviously being in the same state, and Jason Garrett being on the hot seat. So we'll see what Matt Rule does. But I think this is one of the more interesting head coaching openings in the NFL, Matt Rule going to maybe Carolina or Dallas. So now we have some coaches on the hot seat. Jason Garrett is the biggest. He's missed the playoffs six out of nine seasons as the Cowboys head coach. There's a lot of uncertainty of whether Jerry Jones will fire him. He's definitely not happy with how Jason Garrett has run this team. And he won eight and eight this season in the NFC East, the worst division in football, and had a chance to win definitely some more games and maybe win the division. I think he had everything to work with. Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. I feel like this offense was one of the best in football, and they have a great offensive line, a pretty good defense. The Cowboys had a great start to the season. Maybe they just weren't as good as we thought they were to end the season, but I thought they were still a very good team. It's also looking like the Jaguars will part ways with the head coach, Doug Marone. It just seems like this is meant to be. Marone has struggled a lot in Jacksonville despite that one AFC championship appearance. But I think the Jags are going to let him go. Tom Coughlin expected to be out as well. So we're going to see a lot of changes in Jacksonville. So there are some interesting head coaching candidates out there. And the most interesting to me is Urban Meyer, a legend at Ohio State and Florida as a college football coach. There's always been rumblings of Urban Meyer coming to the NFL. And I think we may get a chance to see him in the NFL. I think he is the perfect NFL head coach. Obviously, he made his pedigree in the college football world by recruiting. He doesn't need to do that. He can focus more on coaching, which he is almost even better at. I think Urban Meyer would make a tremendous head coach in the NFL. I think the Cowboys would be stupid to not give this guy an interview. I know all the stuff happened with Urban Meyer, the scandals and all that. Not all of it was his fault, and he's a great head coach. So now Lincoln Riley's another one. He's the head coach of Oklahoma. He's made the playoffs a few times as the Oklahoma head coach. No success there. Does he go to the NFL? That could be another interesting one. This wouldn't be as likely as Urban Meyer, but it could still definitely happen. Jim Harbaugh used to be an NFL coach, now the head coach at Michigan. He struggled at Michigan. He can be an NFL head coach, but those two, you know, they haven't had as much success as they want to, and they're already pretty successful where they are, so I'm not really sure if we'll see those two, but there's always those rumors, and I think they may get an interview. Josh McDaniels would make a tremendous head coach. He's the offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots, but He's always in you know, the running to be a head coach, but at the same time, he was going to be the Colts head coach when Chuck Pagano left Cleveland 
he had it locked up pretty much, but then he denied it. It seems like it's, he's going to take over for Bill Belichick when he retires, and I think he wants that. But at the same time, he would still make a great head coach, and he's been one before. So those are a few names to look out for. We've got a lot going on in the head coaching search for some teams. And the NFL playoffs, we are there, and we are ready to go. Let's go. The NFL playoffs are finally here. The college football playoff wrapped up this Saturday, and now I'm going to talk about the results of the huge semifinal matchups. Number one, LSU defeated number four, Oklahoma, 63-28 to in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Tigers quarterback Joe Burrow just stole the show. Eight total touchdowns. He threw for seven in the first half. He had a 98.5 QBR and totaled 493 yards. This game was never close. It was an absolute blowout. LSU dominated from the start, and this offense, led by Burrow, looks absolutely unstoppable as they scored 63 points. Burrow led LSU to a dominating win over the Sooners, and those stats I just mentioned before are just simply mind-boggling. The Heisman winner looks like he's going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I think he's solidified that with his excellent performance on Saturday in the college football playoff. LSU also has a huge home field advantage in the national championship as they will play at Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. So the Tiger faithful will be very much in attendance for the biggest game of the season. On the other hand, we also had the other semifinal matchup. Number three, Clemson beat number two, Ohio State, in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. This game was a lot more interesting than the other one because it was a lot closer. Trevor Lawrence remains undefeated in his college career. He is 25-0 as a starter for the Tigers. He threw for 259 yards and two touchdowns in the big win over the Buckeyes. He ran for 107 yards and a touchdown. And Ohio State, very frustrated after this loss with a controversial call that did not go their way. There's a play on the field ruled a fumble by Clemson and a scoop and score return touchdown for OSU. But after further review, it was an incomplete pass for Clemson. There was a crucial roughing the kicker penalty on OSU. Clemson scored on the drive and Ohio State's Justin Fields through two interceptions, including a game-sealing interception for Clemson. There was some miscommunication on that final play in the game. The Ohio State wide receiver Olave fell down, and Turner was wide open and picked it for Clemson. There's obviously a questionable call with the incomplete pass ruling, but OSU had plenty of opportunities to win this game, and Fields threw two picks, which is very unlikely of him, considering he had only one all season. The last one was a horrendous play from the start and just a bad route by the Buckeyes wide receivers. Now, to ask the question, what went right for Clemson in order for them to beat OSU in this game? Well, they gave the ball to a very versatile Travis Etienne. He had two receiving touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown, which fueled the Tigers' victory over the Buckeyes. And... They also limited Chase Young to no sacks. He was a non-factor in the game, and he's the best defensive football player in the country. And they also took advantage of Ohio State penalties. 
namely that roughing the kicker call, and they obviously went on to score. And they played a full 60 minutes of complete and dominant football, no turnovers. This is a team that's just been there before. They've got two national championships in recent years. Trevor Lawrence has one under his belt from last season, and this team is just not afraid of the moment. We've got a good one on January 30th in New Orleans. I'll have more coverage for the college football national championship. I'm going to try and do a episode that's just dedicated for that national championship game. Now, those were the biggest bowl games, but let's take a look at the next few biggest games. The New Year's Six Bowls and some other good games on New Year's Day are the Outback Bowl, number 18, Minnesota at number 12, Auburn. This one's at 1 Eastern on ESPN. Auburn's riding high. It's their first game since beating Alabama in the Iron Bowl and knocking them out of the college football playoff race. Minnesota's first game since getting thrashed by Wisconsin would be this game, and Auburn looks to end their season with their third-ranked win of the season. They beat in Alabama and Oregon thus far, but the Golden Gophers head coach, P.J. Fleck, looks to continue his storybook season in Minnesota. He's turned that program around since he's been the head coach, and he really had a chance to get into the Big Ten Championship this year with a win over Wisconsin, but he failed there. But he also won a huge game this season, beating Penn State. They were in the playoff race pretty much until the very end, but still a 10-2 and season, a very successful year for Minnesota. The SEC usually has the edge over the Big Ten. They just play a different brand of football, but the Big Ten is very hard-nosed football. So I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup. The key here is Minnesota's receivers going up against that dominant Auburn defense. And Minnesota, they've got a very good offense, but I like Auburn's defense beating them in this year's Outback Bowl. I'm going to go with Auburn in this matchup. Next up, we got the Citrus Bowl, number 14, Michigan versus number 13, Alabama, one Eastern on ABC. The big question here is Alabama even going to show up to play? They know they should be in the college football playoff right now. They know they should have beaten Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and this really isn't big enough for them. Are they even going to get up for this one? That's usually the question for some of these bowl games. I think they still will. I think Mac Jones has something to prove. He's been sitting on the bench all these years, and he's obviously going to get the start in this one for an injured Tua Tagovailoa. Alabama, they've been in the playoff every year. They're always in that moment. They're usually in the national championship. This is a very different atmosphere for them, but this is still a big bowl game for both teams. And I think Mac Jones has a very explosive weapon in wide receiver Jerry Judy, one of the best receivers in the upcoming NFL draft class. It looks like he's going to be going to the NFL very shortly. So I'm going to go with Alabama here, but a win for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan would mean a lot for them. This season has not turned out like they wanted it to be. They got blown out by Ohio State in the last game of the season. They got blown out at Wisconsin. They lost to Penn State, barely beat Army. This was just all around a rough season for Michigan, and they were expected to be in the college football playoff. I haven't had them in my ranking setting into this season in the college football playoff. So definitely not what both these teams wanted, but I think that just fuels them. I think this is a very interesting game. I'm very excited for this one. I'm going with Alabama here. I think both these teams 
Definitely wanted to be in the college football playoff heading into this season. But I think this will make a very entertaining game than some people may think. Next up, we got the Rose Bowl. Number six, Oregon versus number eight, Wisconsin. This is a New Year's six. Oregon will have a tough task defending Jonathan Taylor. He had 21 touchdowns this season and over 1,000 yards rushing. But the Ducks quarterback, Justin Herbert, looks to cement his NFL draft status with a win over that great Big Ten Badgers defense. Both teams have something to prove. This one's really a toss-up. I'm going with the Big Ten and Wisconsin, and it's pretty much because of that great defense and Jonathan Taylor. Oregon hasn't played in a while. Wisconsin got to play in the Big Ten Championship and played Ohio State for a while, and then they pulled away, but they still played pretty well. I think Oregon just doesn't have enough in the tank after they blew out Utah. I'm going to go with the Big Ten and the Badgers over the Pac-12 Oregon Ducks, and both these teams played in conference championships. Oregon won the Pac-12. Wisconsin didn't. Wisconsin is playing to be respected next season. They had a great year, but they weren't talked about as much. They blew out Minnesota in the last game of the season. This team was better than a lot of people thought, and I think Wisconsin has a lot to prove. So does Oregon, but I think Wisconsin is going to win this game, and they're going to be a very scary team next year, even if Jonathan Taylor isn't there because they always recruit so well. Our final game is the Sugar Bowl, a New Year's Six. Number five, Georgia versus number seven, Baylor. The Baylor Bears head coach Matt Rule has NFL coaching rumblings going around. This could potentially be his last game if he decides to leave Waco. Baylor has everything to play for in this game. Pretty much their head coach, and they're definitely frustrated after a tough Big 12 championship loss to Oklahoma where they could have won and made the playoff. George was also frustrated. They got blown out in the SEC championship game by LSU, losing at home in the regular season to South Carolina. Those two losses caused them to miss the playoff. They had a chance to make it, so did Baylor. So I think this is a very interesting game. Both teams have something to prove, but I think Baylor is a better chance of showing up. Georgia last year did not show up to play in that Sugar Bowl against Texas. They have the same chance against a pretty good Big 12 team. I like Baylor. I've liked this team so far this season. I think they're going to play for Matt Rule no matter what, and I think this team just has the toughness to beat Georgia in this year's Sugar Bowl. So we're going to have more coverage on the national championship game between LSU and Clemson in New Orleans. It's going to be one for the ages. Stay tuned. Now I have a very special segment for all you listeners out there. We had a lot of great sports moments in the year of 2019 but I'm going to narrow it down to the top 10. So number 10, we're going to start with a excellent Wimbledon final between Djokovic and Federer. This was the longest singles final match in Wimbledon history. Two iconic players in the sport of tennis, and this was just one of the greatest matches in the history of, of the game. So that final earns the number 10 spot on the list. Now we move on to number 9. The Kawhi Leonard game winner versus Sixers in the second round of the NBA playoffs. The whole world was watching the ball clank around the rim on Kawhi's final shot in the game, and it eventually went in, 
and the Toronto crowd erupted. And this shot just went viral around the world. A tremendous ending to a great series between the Raptors and the Sixers. This was just one of the most memorable shots of the season and is now engraved in NBA playoff history. Number eight, we move on to the Patriots versus Chiefs AFC Championship game. This was just the best game, in my opinion, of the 2018-2019 NFL season. Back and forth action the whole game. Brady versus Mahomes at its finest. And the Patriots continued their dynasty with a huge win in Kansas City in that AFC Championship game. D. Ford was called offsides when the Chiefs picked it, and it was negated because he was offsides. That would have changed the whole game. There were so many things that could have happened in that game, a lot of questionable calls, but it was a great game played by both teams and easily the most memorable game of the NFL season. Now we move on to number seven. The Angels threw a no-hitter after the death of their pitcher Tyler Skaggs. A very emotional performance from the Angels pitching staff. The no-hitter happened on July 13th, which is Skaggs' birthday, and they scored seven runs in the first inning and won 13-0. So there's definitely some numerical significance to those stats that I just mentioned. And it was just a very... Very cool and awesome performance. They laid their jerseys down in honor of him, and they all wore number 45. So it was very cool to pay respect to him. Now we move on to number six on the list, the Cody Parkey double doink in the NFC wildcard game versus the Eagles. This was the most memorable kick of the season. He could have won the game. It went off both uprights and out, and the Eagles would advance to the NFC divisional round. And honestly, Bears head coach Matt Nagy was just left speechless. Pretty much everyone in the world was left speechless after he missed that field goal. And it was honestly, you got to feel bad for him. But at the same time, you should just not miss that chip shot. Now, number five on the list. This was easily the most controversial. But there's another controversial call on this list that also makes it. So this is, I'm going to just say for now, one of the most controversial calls of the season the non-pass interference call on the Saints in the NFC Championship game. Now, this was a very controversial call going against the Saints, and it caused the NFL to change their ruling about pass interference, and now you can challenge it. So they were up late in the fourth quarter, had a chance to score again, but there was no pass interference called on an obvious play and honestly, the Saints probably would have made the Super Bowl if the call would have went their way. So this was easily the most controversial call that happened in last season of the NFL. Number four on the list, the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup yet again. The fourth World Cup for the U.S. and the second straight for the women's team. They dominated the international stage. It was awesome watching them. They've easily dominated the World Cup over the past few years, and it just hasn't been close. They opened with a 13-0 win over Thailand, and they just kept cruising from there. It was very awesome to watch the U.S. win yet another World Cup. Number three on the list, a lot of teams won their first championships, namely the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. They were in last place, and they went on to win it all. The Raptors won their first NBA title. 
They rode on Kawhi's success all the way to the championship, and the great head coach, Nick Nurse, was just phenomenal and definitely was a key part in the Raptors winning their first NBA title. The Nationals won their first World Series championship. They got rid of their postseason demons and won the title in their first season without Bryce Harper. And Virginia went from losing to 16-seed UMBC in the biggest upset in college basketball history to winning it all. Now, number two on the list, this was also one of the most controversial calls of the year. There was the first ever DQ in the Kentucky Derby. Maximum security, it looked like, had won the race, but there was obstruction ruled against the jockey and the country horse jockey would win the race. It had 65 to 1 odds to win it all, but it would because of this disqualification. The favorite had won six years in a row prior to this, and this was honestly a stunning result in this race. Number one on the list has to be Tiger Woods winning the Masters yet again. An emotional win for Tiger, the whole world watching him try and win the Masters yet again. He did it in vintage Tiger fashion, a golf legend, and he would win his fifth green jacket in Augusta and moving past the great Arnold Palmer. Tiger, this was just a huge win for him. Everyone was watching every single stroke, and it was honestly just a great atmosphere and a great result to an even better tournament the Masters was this year. Well, that'll do it for 2019. We're going to move on to the decade after the short break. So those were the top moments of 2019. Now let's look back on the top 10 sports moments of the decade. Coming in at number 10 on the list, I'm going to go with the Philly special in 2018. Eagles quarterback Nick Foles is a legend in Philly for catching that touchdown on a famous trick play in Super Bowl 52. This was just a perfectly executed play. Head coach Doug Peterson known for his trick plays on offense, and this one will go down in history. Number nine on the list, Leicester City won the Premier League in 2016 when they were at 5,000 to 1 odds to win it all. Definitely a remarkable underdog tale, and they were doubted in Vegas, but they would eventually win it all. Coming in at number 8, the Auburn kick 6 versus Alabama in 2013. To the average college football fan, this is easily the most memorable moment in college football history. Chris Davis returned a missed field goal by Alabama for the game-winning touchdown in the final seconds. Rod Bramlett's legendary call is remembered forever for fans across the country. This was just an awesome moment in college football. Number seven, the Patriots' 28-3 comeback in Super Bowl 51. This was in 2017. It was the largest comeback in Super Bowl history, and it added to the Patriots' legacy over the past decade, many Super Bowl championships. They looked defeated. They looked down and out. You could just never count this team led by Tom Brady out of it, and they would go on to win in a stunning fashion against the Atlanta Falcons. Number six is Tiger Woods winning the Masters in 2019. I already talked about this one, so let's get to number 
five American Pharaoh winning the Triple Crown in 2015. This is the toughest thing to do in horse racing. He was only the 12th Triple Crown winner in history, and it happened for the first time since 1978. Bob Baffert has so much success in this field, and he had another horse to do it. American Pharaoh would win the Triple Crown. Number four on the list, the Blackhawks winning three Stanley Cups in the past decade. They won in 2010, 2013, and 2015, the greatest NHL team of the decade by far. They had a dynasty in Chicago that is remembered for winning championships. It's very impressive to win in the toughest league in sports. The Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win but it means everything when you do, and the Blackhawks were just able to rattle off dominance over this past decade. Number three on the list, the number 16 seed UNBC, stunning the number one seed UVA in the NCAA tournament in 2018. This was the first time in college basketball history a 16 seed would beat a one seed. This was easily the biggest upset in college basketball history. So I was watching this game, and usually it's the one seeds. They struggle a little bit early, and then they finally figure things out, and it's usually a blowout by 20 or 30 points. But for some reason, Virginia could not figure out UMBC, and UMBC just had the greatest game they ever played in their program history. They won by 20 points, 74 to 54, and it was just a great game played by UMBC, a stunning victory, and you had to watch it to see it. That's one of my favorite moments that I've ever watched in sports. It's just so memorable. It was amazing to see it happen for the first time ever. Coming in at number two on the list, the Cleveland Cavaliers' first NBA title in 2016. It was the first championship in the city of Cleveland, a city that has long awaited for a championship. The drought was over in Cleveland, and it was because of None other than LeBron James. He returned to Cleveland to win a title with the Cavaliers. He had a legendary block late in the game on Andre Iguodala. And then Kyrie Irving won the game with a game-winning three-pointer in the final seconds. It was a truly remarkable series. They came down from a 3-1 deficit against the Warriors and won an epic Game 7 at Golden State to win their first ever title in NBA history and the first title for the city of Cleveland. Coming in at number one on the list is the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. It was the first World Series title in 108 years for the franchise. They exercised their demons after getting beat every year in the postseason. They finally did it. They came back from a 3-1 deficit against the Indians and won one of the best Game 7s of all time. The Cubs, what a great tale. And honestly, this was a team that had just the worst luck. They had the longest drought in MLB history of not winning a World Series, and they finally did it. It honestly just rivals any sports story. We all knew about the 108-year curse on the Cubs, and they finally broke it with that win over the Indians. It was a truly remarkable story for the Cubs to win that championship. So those are the top 10 sports moments of the decade. Now let's wrap up the show.
to all of the loyal listeners and followers, thank you. It has been an absolute joy for me to do this podcast so far for you guys. Talking about sports is my favorite thing in the world, and now I get to do it on my own platform. Now I'd like to reflect on a few things. I love doing this, and I plan to continue it in 2020 as an even better version of what it is now. I get to talk about my passion for sports and discuss it with guests as well. I'll try to get as many guests as possible in the coming year and maybe get some big names in the sports world. So to the people that came on for interviews, Trey, Parker, Tom, Danny, Alec, and Tanner, thank you for joining the show and making it a great experience. I hope all of you listeners have a very happy new year, and we're going to ring in the new year with a brand new episode coming up on Strucky Sports Talk. You'll hear me again, signing off.